0: This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. What do women want in the workplace? Millions of women left or were pushed out of the workforce during the pandemic for a number of reasons, like caregiving challenges when schools or daycares closed, quarantines, even caring for sick family members. A study by the National Women's Law Center finds women in the U.S. lost more than 5.4 million net jobs in 2020. There are plenty of jobs across industries now, so what will it take to bring women back and to retain them? Today where we live, we learn why women have hit the career reset button and how employers must now respond. Are you a woman in Connecticut who switched jobs, perhaps even a career, or are thinking about it? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 WMPR. Share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Now, COVID disruptions impacted salaries, so women are negotiating higher pay or opting to leave to make up for lost ground. And they're asking for benefits that fit the needs of their families, too. Uh, Today, you can join us again, 888-720-9677. Or that's 720 WMPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, joining us first is a woman CEO who runs a family owned manufacturing company in Milford, Connecticut. Jill Mayer joins us now, of CEO of Bead Industries. Jill, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning, Lucy. Thank you for having me.
0: I mentioned it's a family owned manufacturing company. How many generations?
2: Five generations. Oh wow, so, uh, long time! <laughs> and
0: tell us what you manufacture.
2: Yep. So uh, we have two divisions. Actually, uh, B Electronics um, in Milford. We manufacture custom contact pins for automotive lighting and medical industries. And our other division, McGuire Manufacturing, produces commercial plumbing fixture trim that go in hos- hotels, hospitals, schools, and whatnot. And we have about fifty employees between the, the two divisions. Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to be talking about what women want in the workplace. So I've got to ask Jill, when did you decide that you were going to be part of this family-owned manufacturing company?
2: So um, you know, it was about fifteen years ago now, fourteen years ago, and um, you know, my father and and all the generations before him were all men running the business and either engineers or business capacity. And uh, you know, he was looking at his succession plan and he was just kind of inquiring about. Um, what I was going to do with my career and I was working in an online marketing consultancy and really enjoying myself. Um, but I've always loved, um, I've always considered myself an entrepreneur and in many of the jobs I had, I always wanted to take on more responsibility and be helpful and learn all aspects of business. So it seemed like a, at least something to check out for sure.
0: You mentioned 15 years ago, uh, especially at bead, definitely more men than women in the company. I understand that now more than half of your workforce consists of women, including most of your machine operators. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so for the machine operators, we've always had um, more more women, and I and I guess I'm not quite sure how that started, but I can imagine that if you see other women working. Um, you're more likely, you know, when you interview or you take a job, you're more likely to stay where there's um, other women. But I do know um, when I arrived, at least on the office side, um, there wasn't as much women. Um, women, and and I think it was just one of those things where as people retired and as new employees came in, again, the more you see women working there, the more it, um, it's appealing. So it, it's kind of like it takes one to get one, but mm-hmm. which I know is difficult to do. But um, it does domino once you when you're surrounded by um, smart, capable women, for sure.
0: Would you say that's changing now in the, the Connecticut manufacturing ecosystem? Are we seeing more women on the shop floor?
2: We are, and I think you know a lot of that is. is there's a lot of family-owned manufacturing companies in Connecticut um, and small businesses, and I think as um, parents are looking at their succession plan and it's it's the daughters that have um, the degrees or the skills or the capabilities or the even the, um, the desire to take over for their parents then um, the more there are women in the leadership positions um, you know the more I think more women see a career path in that direction so I think I think a lot of I think that's a big reason for it
0: now, we're talking today about how employers are adapting uh, to workers' needs, especially after two years of this pandemic. I understand you're allowing new mothers to bring their babies to work. Uh, when I first heard this, I'm thinking, how does that work in a manufacturing company? Can you? I'm wondering if you can talk more about that decision, Jill.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, because of the challenges of the workforce, we've spent and we continue to spend a lot of time, you know, looking at our compensation and our benefits and as a small business, we have to get really creative because, um, you know, we're competing for the talent, especially when it comes to women. We may not be able to offer above market um, wages for a position, but we, we need to meet the market in our region for sure. And, um, and then we need to do our best to enhance the employee experience with benefits that appeal to parents, to women, um, to, to all employees. And, you know, it started out my sister and I bringing in our babies to work. First for a visit and then, oh, I'll just, you know, take this call or do this quick meeting. And, and, you know, when, when the infant is quite young, they do a lot of sleeping, of course. And, um, we thought it's an important transition time for women in the workforce that your child, your baby is too young to go to daycare. It feels like, especially for new moms. Um, uh, but your, your maternity leave is over and, um, you got to kind of start the transition. So what what we did was offered um, for full-time employees to bring their infants to work for the first four months. Now, by the time they get back from maternity, um, baby's probably about 10 to 12 weeks already. So that leaves another four to six weeks for them to transition back. Um, and, that, and it doesn't work for every parent. It certainly doesn't work for every child. Um, but we, we happen to have an office that was conducive to that with doors that can close and privacy shades. Um, so our setup was good. And then um, the flexibility around that, I think, was important. So um, some parents preferred to come for shorter, more frequent days, some for longer days, less frequently. Um, You know, and and we had an employee who had lots of help from her parents. So she only brought her baby in for a week or so and then decided that um, it was preferable not to bring bring them in. and you know they're required to designate two or three alternative alternate employees um, within the workplace to who voluntarily agree to take the infant if the parent needs to use the restroom or go to a meeting or pop out to the factory. And I'm always one of those because I love to hold the babies and 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 I'm a big fan of babies. So um, and of course they're encouraged to bring in, bring in a pack and play or a jungle gym. Um, and when I when I mentioned that all babies are different. You know, if you have a colicky baby, that probably isn't going to be the best scenario. Um, like I said, all parents are different. All, all babies are different. But, you know, it was actually me convincing the employee sometimes that a little bit of crying is totally expected and normal and not to run from the building immediately. Um, you know, give it 20, 30 minutes and we've got, we can all shut our doors. We can put in headsets. It's not a big deal. Um, and, you know, if it, if it got to a point where the parent was uncomfortable, you can take them home.
0: So. Some of our listeners might be wondering: Are you hiring, Jill? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are actually. <laughs> so,
0: well, I'm curious. So, I would assume that the staff that you already have, um, the response must have been like, "What was the reaction?" And you mentioned competing for talent. So, have you seen this policy making a difference in the type of workers that you're able to hire?
2: So, I think so. The reaction was really. Oh, okay. Are you sure? (laughs) And then it was gratitude. And then, you know, even from some of the men in the office, it was surprise. but then it was, but it was also like, huh, it works. It seems to be working. So, um, like I said, it's not a really long period of time and it brings, it actually brings joy to the office. It's life. You know, um, I think, you know, I think it, it just, You know, other companies bring their pets to the office. We will bring babies.
0: You're hearing, you're hearing again, Jill Mayer, CEO of Bead Industries. This is a family-owned manufacturing company in Milford, Connecticut. As we talk about how employers are shifting schedules or coming up with policies to help bring women back to work and to retain them, you can join us. Uh, if you're a woman uh, who's made a switch during the pandemic in your career or you're thinking about it, we'd love to hear from you. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Find us on Facebook. And Twitter at where we live. Uh, how does uh, how do other manufacturers uh, respond when they hear about this this policy? Jill, is this something that's catching, or still more uh, skepticism here?
2: Um, there's definitely skepticism. You know, just like during the pandemic, um, employees who are actually physically touching the product and need to be out in the shop their entire day, um, you know, it's not going to be like our machine operators aren't going to really be able to be to bring their babies to work now. If we have a purchasing manager or a quality technician, we can definitely, you know, we've got office space. We can set them up and we can make it work. But if, if you're running a machine all day, that's not going to work. Luckily, um, we don't currently have any employees with, with young children. Um, so that wasn't an issue. But it, it's very similar to when the pandemic occurred and, um, uh, you know, office employees worked remotely and the, and the employees who touched the product and had to be there had to come in. So um, you know, every every role has has the ability has different um, variations of flexibility. Um, certainly, if an if a machine operator or a factory worker needs to um, leave work early or make up extra hours or uh, you know come in for overtime, we we do all of those things for you know sick children or whatever whatever sort of work life balance that's needed. So. The babies at work thing probably wouldn't work as well for um, manufacturing employees that need to be out there all day. So, so perhaps manufacturers might be slower to adopt if they can't apply it to everyone. But I guess I'm of the mind that you do the best you can with every situation. Um, That's that's, that's interesting uh, to
0: hear. Uh, We're looking at uh, new data from Wakefield Research showing that 34% of women plan to ask for a raise this year. And if they don't get it, about 67% plan to leave for higher pay. So what are you seeing at Bede, Jill? And how do you respond uh, when women workers want to negotiate for higher pay?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of it is, it's similar to um, the pros and cons of larger corporations and small family owned businesses it's a balance you know um i suppose if someone is in a point in their career where they really want to blast forward and um, you know there's less there's definitely career paths where we are but maybe not at a as steep a trajectory as they would like and you know to each their own i i would say and uh, there's lots of people that employees that come from large corporations and get to a small business, and they say, "Wow, this the work-life balance here is so uh, much better." So I would say that um, while small businesses need to be competitive with their pay and need to step up the pay for sure, without a doubt, um, you know, they can't always compete with the larger businesses with pay. And so, you know, if an employee leaves for a better opportunity, typically we found that it's in a larger corporate um, environment and so i in my mind i just i wonder if they're considering i hope that they're considering um that there is there is a uh, there are trade-offs when it comes to that
0: and listeners, again, we'd love to hear what uh, the tipping point is for you. Is it higher pay? Is it uh, better policies and flexibilities uh, that help meet the needs of your family? Uh, again, our number, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, because you, you run a manufacturing company, you know, there's been a lot of attention, of course, on, on hybrid work and also uh, certain uh, office uh, jobs able to work remotely during the pandemic. And so as a manufacturer, How do you, I guess, approach hybrid? You had mentioned earlier that, you know, that you are flexible in in hours uh, related to uh, new parents.
2: Well, you know, I would say that, you know, before the pandemic, I wasn't sure it was possible. Post-pandemic, it's possible. It actually works really well and even better in some specific circumstances. Um, But, you know, if you've got your ERP system that you're using to run your shop floor from invoicing to shipping if that's in the cloud remote workers can access that easily Um, if you've got good communication um, within your departments and across teams that helps with the remote environment so I think um, with the hybrid if if you can if you can I guess companies that consider hybrid have to have all of those things in place in order for that to be successful and if if uh, manufacturers are finding that it's not successful, then they really need to start working towards some of those um, initiatives to to be better because it's here to stay and um, there's going to be some amount of it. I think it is always going to be good to see people and connect with them in person. Um, and I guess time will tell what the ratio of in person to, to remote is and I, but I think there is a good balance of that as well.
0: So at Bede, uh, is it typical, to, depending on the the type of worker we're talking about, that they might be a half day in uh, in the, the the office versus doing your work remotely, Jill.
2: Yes, so um, so depending on how far their commute is, you know, a half day might not even make sense. Um, but yes, so we, I would say on average at Bede, we probably have um, employees two days um, remotely and and the rest in the office and you know and then with with some wiggle room in between there for um, various commitments.
0: I've mentioned the pandemic a few times what has been the hardest part of running a small manufacturing company Jill during the last two years?
2: Oh gosh I would say you know being small we we have several departments where you're. it's a department of one person and um you know, cross-training has become huge, and and making sure you have backups. And but as a small business, you're also managing your costs, right? So um, I would say really trying to um, mitigate risk and um, make sure that you're communicating well, and that that you've documented your process as well, so that you can hire quickly if if needed, or um, you know if someone's sick with COVID. Okay, everyone has to chip in and um, take on the responsibilities that were left behind. So I think a lot of it was just being reactive initially, and then learning to be proactive. I think would be the, the biggest lesson there, and it, and and that's that's where that resilience factor comes in. Is I
0: think is important you are hearing Jill Mayer here on Where We Live, CEO of Bead Industries, a Connecticut manufacturer, as we talk about bringing women back to the workforce and what employers must do to retain them. Coming up after the break, the food service and retail sectors continue to struggle to retain and attract workers. Locally, it's an industry where women make up more than half of the workforce. That's according to the Connecticut Data Collaborative. So what's being done to bring them back? You can join us, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
3: So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health.
0: This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy nall Today we're focusing on what women want in the workplace. Studies show women have quit their jobs at higher rates than men during the pandemic. In March, a survey by KeyBank's digital banking platform, Laurel Road, found more than three out of 10 women left their jobs in 2021. Only 10 percent did so involuntarily. And one in three women say they're exploring leaving their current jobs primarily for higher pay, while others say they're seeking remote work and better work-life balance. Now, more than half of workers in the food and services and retail sector are women. How are these industries that are struggling to retain employees who are paid hourly? How are these businesses adapting to workers' needs? We're going to be talking about that coming up. I want to take a quick call. Candace is calling in from Canton. What did you want to share, Candace?
4: Hello. Uh, this is Candice Friedenberg, um, founder of Untapped Potential. And I just um, am happy to be here, Lucy, and enjoyed listening to Jill's comments. Um, to your comment, the tipping point, um, really the pandemic caused many, as we know, millions of women to opt out, and it was something that happened, you know, all synchronously, synchronicity, if you will. Um, Potential advances business and reignites careers, really focusing on returning women that historically opted out, although they were educated and experienced. And um, really one thing that um, I want to highlight is um, that, perceptual shift of a mom Um, many people um, once they opt out they have um, lost their confidence as a professional even though you know really they were making tough choices where the workplace at that time didn't have flexibility and the tipping point was that for them might have been with their third child and all the activities or with a uh, illness such that it's growing like autism add allergies things of that nature where they're focused on that need for the moment and really our leaders in the workplace not only need to think of um the flexibility required to retain but also bring women back and the perception of what they em- envision what a mom is that she could be career oriented, um, just with dual careers and raising children, something knocked her out of the workforce.
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Candice, for bringing up those um, important points. Uh, Jill Mayer is still with us from Beat Industries. She's a CEO. Jill, uh, did you want to respond to uh, the caller?
2: Sure, um, and it, it's a good observation. Um, you know, I would I would say that that you know when when I when I had my first son. Um, my husband and I racked up credit card debt to pay for childcare because we were both working. And so I understand that, and that was just with one kid. And then when when we were looking at having a second child, it was like, you know, I definitely had the same sentiment where, oh, maybe it makes more sense to stay home. And then with more than two children, then, you know, there's no question. I think, um, I think, and then, and then you add the, the working moms um, who come in, the, the guilt, both the guilt that they're maybe um, distracted um, at the workforce at the workplace, excuse me, or they're distracted, um, you know, at home with, because of work with their children. So, so there's definitely so many challenges that women um, with young children face. Um, You know, and I think that as leaders, we can help those women understand that, uh, that there is a career path for you. And whether it's um, slow or fast or however you want to build it, there's trade-offs all along the way. And those trade-offs don't mean, I don't mean um, you don't work or you do, but maybe it's part time or maybe it's um, you know, remote work and, and then maybe it's a hybrid. But as you sort of um, find your comfort level for the work-life balance, I think it's important to try all of those things to see how you work best. And um, I can tell you at Bede, we hire part-time as well, and we have functions that we have roles that have the ability to be fully, fully remote. We have some that are zero remote. So um, I think it's all about being flexible with the workforce and in your, in your area, and um, that's what we're looking at. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, you can join us, 888-720-9677, as we talk about what women want in the workplace, again, to recruit and retain them, uh, as uh, we heard uh, many women choosing to opt out of their present jobs uh, or current former jobs in the pandemic and some of the reasons behind that. Uh, joining us now on Zoom is Jessica Petronella, Organizing Director for United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 371. Jessica, I mentioned uh, in the food services and retail sector, more than half of workers are women.
1: Yes. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for having us. Um, we appreciate it. So we represent members in predominantly retail food. Um, I cover Fairfield County, so we have King's and Stop and Shop. Um, We have ShopRite Garfalo um, and the Joseph family. So most of our members are in retail food, but we also have nursing home members and bus drivers and Foxwoods Casino Um, So we represent a variety of workers and um, a lot of our members are women.
0: And these uh, workers were the essential workers during the pandemic. As we talk about how some employers are able to provide flexibility, work from home, these workers, they were coming in every day uh, since March 2020. Jessica, talk about the toll on them.
1: Correct. Um, With COVID, you know, there were fears among our members that they were going to bring COVID home to their children and to their spouses. Um, So, you know, they were trying to protect themselves and keep their families safe um, while serving the customers. Um, So it was a struggle.
0: And so tell us um, you know how through local 371 uh, you're responding uh, to these workers' needs and how to help them you know remain employed, but also you know taking into account what's happening uh, at home or in their their personal lives.
1: Sure. Well, during the pandemic, we were pushing um, our companies to pay hazard pay to give an incentive um, to keep people working because you had a lot of members take leave of absences because of the fear of COVID and bringing it home to their families. Um, Now what you're seeing in order for our employers to retain people um, is really working around schedules. Um, For example, you have some stores that will let members go leave work, go pick up their kids from school, bring them home and come back to work. Um, So you are seeing more of a flexible schedule. because employers are short-staffed.
0: So that that particular option for uh, parents uh, to leave work to get their kids and then come back, before the pandemic, would that have been unheard of for, for management to permit that?
1: I think there's definitely more of a flexibility just because they, they desperately need people to go back to work and they need the staffing. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, you represent UFCW Local 371. And when we think about uh, benefits uh, to, to recruit and keep people employed, uh, healthcare matters. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about uh, what you were able to negotiate for your members related to healthcare coverage.
1: Sure. So in February, um, we, were, we ratified the new stop and shop agreement and we were able to get... Um, employee contributions to remain the same for the next four years. So a mom can provide major medical for her entire family um, for $38 per week for an employee contribution. Um, And that will remain the same for the next four years. We were able to lower deductibles. So it was $600 deductible for a family. We were able to lower that to 500 Um, For a single person, it was 300. We were able to lower that to 200. Um, Oh, no, a single was 300. We were able to lower that to 250. Um, And we were able to also, you know, get significant wage increases. We've been seeing that more and more throughout our union contracts. Mm
0: -hmm. Talk more about the wage front, because when we think about hourly workers, and you mentioned you represent people in Fairfield County. I mean, that's I mean, Connecticut's expensive, and so is Fairfield County. And again, uh, you know, making sure that the people that are, what they're being paid, they're able to provide for the families, that they're not um, going to leave and uh, maybe work for Amazon. Or are you seeing that too?
1: Sure. Um, you know, if people are paid more, they're able to afford more, um, child care being one, and child care is so incredibly expensive. So um, it's important that we're able to get our members, good wage increases. Um, we've been seeing better contracts, um, better w- better wages, just because of the worker shortage. So um, it's it's definitely it, the worker shortage has helped um, us get better wage increases because companies they do need to retain their. Their people.
0: Now, when I mentioned Amazon, so when uh, workers decide to leave for, uh, again, the sectors that you represent, you know, where are they going? What can you tell us?
1: Sure. So, do we have workers that leave to go to Amazon? Um, We do. Amazon's an extremely difficult company to work for. Um, I've had members leave to go to Amazon and have returned back to um, retail food or companies that we represent because the benefits are much better than what they are at Amazon, Um, like Stop and Shop, for example, they're getting major Oh,
0: Jessica, I think we're having trouble hearing you. I want to go to Jill Mayer, uh, who's CEO of uh, Feed Industries. Jessica, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. Oh,
0: you, 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 uh, your connection cut out. You had mentioned that. some workers do end up leaving, going to Amazon, and then some of them return, and benefits like healthcare care is what brings them back?
1: I would say healthcare care, and they have a pension, too. So part-timers and full-timers, they're vested in a pension fund um, after five years, mm-hmm. and they don't pay into that. The employer pays into it, um, and it's definitely a benefit that has helped bring people that have left to go to Amazon um, back to companies like Stop and Shop and ShopRite. Mm-hmm.
0: You're hearing Jessica Petronella here on Where We Live, organizing director of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, UFCW Local 371. I mentioned Jill Mayer is still with us. She's the CEO of a Connecticut manufacturer, Bead Industries. Uh, Jill, I understand uh, Bead paid some s- huge spot bonuses and are also increasing pay case by case. What can you tell us?
2: Yes. Yeah, so last year, we definitely spot bonus. Um, we were coming off a really rough previous year. Obviously, the pandemic um, was the main factor. And so we were, um, we were, we wanted to give raises, but we weren't sure if we would get out of the red. And we got out of the red, and then immediately did the raises. But in the meantime, we're spot bonusing where we thought um, people um, were maybe at the bottom of their market range. Um, So yeah, and then we did the raises, and we did higher than average raises. Um, And you know, we're planning for raises again this year, and we give out quarterly bonuses, but. Um, you know, certainly we're, we're doing, we're, we're spending more time and, and doing it more frequently, letting employees know how valued they are and showing them how that they impact the company and and providing the bonuses as a, as a means of saying thank you for sticking with us and thank you for working hard. Um, I did want to comment one thing Jessica had said, and, you know, we're in a different industry, so maybe it's changing, but we're finding um, that medical and 401k is less important than the higher wage and the flexibility. So we're having to kind of shift our model because um, we, pr- we pride ourselves on our um, 401k and especially our medical contribution. We, we contribute 80, 85% of our employees um, medical premiums, which we're told for our industry is on the higher end. So, um, but we are getting the feedback that um, they prefer just the higher pay than the medical. so we're we're trying to offer different um, you know different medical options and, and and trying to open the conversation to really understand what employees want and and depending on their generation or their where they are in their career, they may want different things. So we're just trying to listen more when
0: it comes to that. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Jill. Again, you can join us as we talk about what women want uh, in their when they look at their careers, whether it's returning uh, to an office or maybe finding remote work that's more flexible and able for them to respond more to their family. You can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Evelyn's calling in from Hamden. Evelyn, what did you want to share?
5: Hi, Lucy. Hi, everyone. Um, I have been a stay-at-home mom for the past seven and a half years. My husband and I, we have a son on the autism spectrum. And so the original plan of two years for me to stay at home expanded. And so it was frustrating in the beginning in terms of finding the traditional full-time work. And so I decided to just continue on with stay-at-home mom and then I was networking during the pandemic and asked about grant writing. And I've been doing grant writing for almost a year. And for me, it's been the ideal situation. Um, there's pretty much no micromanagement. I'm able to work from home, take care of um, my responsibilities at home, picking up my son, that sort of thing. And um, as long as I get my work done on time, That's all that really matters. And my boss and I, we communicate really well with each other, and she's very supportive. Mm. And so for me, I can't imagine going back to the traditional work environment uh, because I'm able to take care of all these responsibilities, and it's less stressful. And for me, it makes me a better grant writer Mm. since I do have that peace of mind.
0: Well, thank you, Evelyn, for sharing that. We're glad to hear that you found... uh, a uh, job that that fits you and as well as your family's needs. Uh, thank you for calling in today. You can join us as well 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at uh, where we live. Uh, I wanted to go back to Jessica Petronella again, who's with the UFCW uh, Union Local three seventy one. Uh, we heard Jill mention that uh, for her uh, employees, with maybe it's a difference in her sector, that um, higher pay uh, is something that matters. More more than um, some of the other traditional benefits. But I understand that uh, the UFCW is also working uh, to offer programs and benefits like free college. Can you talk about that?
1: Sure. Um, So I think I I agree with Jill. It's different for everybody. Um, Different circumstances um, prioritize what's important to a worker. but I, you know, medical is one of the big issues as well as higher wages. Um, so we do offer a, a free college program through um, Gateway Community College, Eastern Gateway Community College. The school is in Ohio, um, but it's free to all of our members. If, as long as they're a UFCW member, they're entitled to that benefit. And that benefit also can be for a spouse, grandchild, or a child. Um, it's over Zoom, or it's all everything. All the classes are over Zoom. Everything's over the internet, but the members or their family do not pay books or tuition. Um, so that has also helped a lot of our employers recruit um, employees to their to their companies as well.
0: And what has the demand been like for this program, Jessica?
1: Oh, it's been it's been great. The program started out with just an associate's degree, GED and foreign language. Um, but because the program's been such a, a hit, we've expanded it now to a bachelor's degree. Um, and, I, you know, I wish they had the program around when I was a member because <laughs> I would have saved myself a lot of student loans. Well, thank you for sharing
0: that with us, Jessica uh, Jill Mayer. Before we run out of time, you know, part of what women also want, according to studies and what we're hearing, is they want pathways to grow, and that would be, include not only education but coaching and mentoring uh, to get to that that next position. I'm wondering what you're doing at Bead.
2: Yes, that's a that's a great great question. We um, we've been doing a lot with coaching and mentoring in the sense that. We talk to the employees. We have levels, so operator level one, two, and three, and we explain what it takes to get to each level and that each level means more pay and they can do more. And we've actually um, hired internally. We've grown people up through the organization. We had uh, one woman who was in accounting who moved into a production planning role. We had a woman that was a machine operator that moved into a quality technician role. Um, where we've just um, promoted someone in customer service who's moving into the supply chain role so we love growing our people internally because that's um, that's what helps them stay that's what helps them grow and learn and i think you know in my opinion if if you're not growing and learning and, and some people want to be where they are and that's fine too but if, if, you can, if you do that, your mind stays sharp, you know what you want, you're surprised at where you end up, and um, you feel fulfilled um, and with a sense of purpose, which I think makes the job or makes any job um, easier and, and, and something that you can wake up to each morning and, and go to without, without just the heavy weight on your shoulders of why am I here, you know?
0: That's Jill Mayer, again, CEO of Bead Industries in Milford. Jill, thank you so much. This has been really interesting to hear uh, how uh, you and uh, Jessica Petronella uh, are working to think about uh, workers' needs and adapting to them, especially after two years of this pandemic. Thank you, Jill.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Lucy.
0: And Jessica Petronella, again, with UFCW Local 371. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Lucy. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. Coming up, Again, after two years in a pandemic, how are employers who are competing to recruit and retain employees navigating this work from home conversation with workers who want continued flexibilities? We'll talk about that. And you can join us too. find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Mm This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy nalpa Today, we're talking about what women want in the workplace and how employers are responding. My next guest spent more than two decades studying virtual teams along with leadership and the effects of gender diversity in the workplace. Lucy Gilson is a professor and associate dean of faculty and outreach at the University of Connecticut School of Business.
3: Lucy, welcome to our show. Good morning, Lucy. Happy to be here.
0: Now, a, a Where We Live listener messaged us on Twitter the other day about her career change. I wanted to share that with you. She wrote, I've worked from home for longer than the pandemic has been around, doing medical claims, processing on a production schedule. I am a number producing numbers for a big company with big numbers, and there's no sense of accomplishment in my work, especially coupled with juggling my family's needs. Watching other companies create supports for their pandemic work-at-home employees made me realize what I've been missing. My kids are teens now. I have 20 years left to work, and I'm positive I will find a field that can treat me like a person, not a number. So, Lucy, I wanted you to respond uh, to uh, that that listener comment again about these tipping points uh, that women are deciding to. You know what? It's time for a reset in my
3: career. So, a couple of things that come out there, and and you know the the Twitter poster, I'm not sure what the term is, is completely right. Um, it's about feeling valued. It's about feeling more than a number. And whether you're working or rem- remotely or in person, that is equally as important. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, 34% of uh, women are asking for a pay raise. You know, they're asking for a pay raise partly because we don't have gender parity, right? So, you know, if men, we can now see a lot more with everybody working virtually, what everybody's doing, Um, work is more visible. There is much more equality when we're on the screen. Everybody has the same size box um you know we can we can see who's who's available who's working it's no longer you know my jacket's on the back of the chair so I'm at office you know at the office all these really long hours when I'm you know out playing golf so you know i think it it's causing women to to suddenly say you know my value is important let me ask for a raise you know march 15th was pay equity day right that that's that's a big gap Um, But as well as the pay equity, there really is the piece about feeling valued and culture is just as important as pay. And a lot of people leave jobs because they don't feel valued, they don't feel seen, and the culture is not one that supports them. Mm
0: I loved what Evelyn, who called in, shared earlier about uh, her work uh, completely from home experience uh, because of her uh, family's needs. But she said that, you know, she's got a good relationship with her manager. There's no micromanaging. And she said, I'm a better grant writer. And I think that's what employers want, their their workers to
3: feel valued, but also
0: that they, do their, they can do their best.
3: So absolutely. I mean, and what she's also saying is, it it doesn't necessarily matter you know how i work where i work or when i work it's important that i do the work and i do the work at this level and my manager my organization is supporting that i'm feeling valued i'm feeling trusted i'm doing great work
0: so we're seeing you know big companies like 3m spotify slack and twitter Uh, all offering employees the option to fully work remotely. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, this future of work and, you know, how these changing attitudes are going to impact women that we've been talking about who've opted to leave.
3: So it's ironic because early virtual work wasn't always good for women. Mm -hmm. So there was a a sort of a women's tax when you worked virtually that you still had to be camera ready and all these expectations. And that actually has sort of leveled out a bit, which has been great. And, And we're now actually reaping some of the benefits as women of being able to have flexible work. So I don't, you know, it's not that we're advocating you know, our research is showing that everybody should be 100% virtual. There are still times when it is beneficial to be in the office, but it is really thinking about is it beneficial for the task, the work that needs to get done, and is it beneficial for the employees rather than just saying everybody needs to be in five days a week or even two days a week, right? If we're all in the office and yet we're all closing our doors and just working on our screens, What's the benefit of being in the office? So it sort of really is incumbent upon managers, leaders, organizations to think about what are the tasks, what are the things that need to be done in person, collaboratively, versus what are the things that can be done virtually collaboratively as well. So that you know collaboration is not the divider here, but really trying to match, you know, where when we need people together. And then the second part of that is understanding that, you know. A lot of employees are lonely. A lot of employees are actually very stressed without having, they've lost their work network, their work friends, their work family. And so, you know, some for some employees is going to be this need to come back in to, you know, c- communicate and interact with other people. So the balance here is is the tricky part. Mm-hmm.
0: Can we talk about the tension too? Uh, I understand uh, some Apple employees threatened to resign after Tim Cook told them, you're going to be returning to, to the office at least uh, on a hybrid schedule. There was an April uh, New York Post article quoted one of these workers as saying, I don't give a single bleep about ever coming back to work here. This is what one ranted on a corporate message board blind this week. Google this week also required workers to come into the company headquarters at least three times a week. So what do you, what's your take on this tension? What should management consider when planning for this transition?
3: i mean that's the hard part right if you're mandating people to come back into the office and there's no rationale as to why right so you know again it's coming back to that culture it's coming back to that valuing your employees now we're no longer feeling um as a valued part of this community we're feeling like we have to be in because we're number counting right It's the bed check we've got 20 people in their chairs and it's tuesday that's good if there is a reason why we need 20 people in the office on Tuesday to work on a specific project, to help the company move forward, to interact with our clients, I think people are going to be much more willing to do that. So, I, you know, I, I think what we're struggling with here is we have now seen over the last couple of years how virtual teams work, how we can really produce good work working remotely. That's not to say that that's the only way we can produce good work but explain to me why you need me in the office and i think that's the struggle that again it's that feeling valued feeling like you belong you know the 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 culture piece
0: And when we'd have these conversations about hybrid or fully remote, you know, is this also, should this also be viewed as an elite problem? Because as we referenced earlier, there are sectors, manufacturing, service, retail, they've been working in person the whole time. And and how does that impact the labor market moving forward, Lucy?
3: So I'm not sure if I see it as elite, rather the nature of work. So if you think back to um, what Jill said, is that there are parts of work in manufacturing, for instance, where you know there's office work there's always been office work that can be flexible and there's running the machinery that can't the piece though that she touched upon um is is the flexibility and um jessica talked about this as well the flexibility in those required in-person jobs right a lot of the, the the shifts the the way we time work right is based on a historical that's the way we've always done it which was probably set back by men you know in the 20s 40s 60s you name it um you know does the shift need to be from starting at you know 9 a.m and going to 5 p.m right could it start later once your children are all at school could it be split so you work you know four hours in the morning and four hours at night so I, you know i do think we need to think a little bit more Uh, creatively about how we structure work and the times that people need to be at work because absolutely there are a number of jobs where people have to be in person right but do they have to be in person in the way that there is structured now is the question Mm.
0: I wanted to end uh, speaking of men uh, Google's former HR chief uh, Laszlo Bock told Bloomberg he's now CEO of Humu which is an HR software maker but he said hybrid won't be around after 5 years for someone who has studied virtual teams for more than 20 what are your thoughts on
3: that Well I hate to contradict but I I think hybrid will be around I you know I think there are just a lot of benefits To people personally, there are a lot of benefits to the environment. um, You know that we're going that we're going to see, and and, you know it's it's going to be hard to to see a a future where everybody goes back to exactly as it was before. But you know, but hybrid will look different for different people uh, in different industries and different jobs. That's
0: Lucy Gilson again, a professor and associate dean of faculty and outreach at the University of Connecticut School of Business. A pleasure to talk with you, Lucy. Thank you for your perspective today. Thank you. Sudhata, Sujata Srinivasan produced today's show. I'm Lucy nalpith Our technical director is Kat Pastor. We'll be back tomorrow.